For a lot of my life, it seemed like I just fell into things. I was the youngest of four children. Everything seemed to come naturally to me, and I just did whatever was in front of me. I went to university, graduated, took a job that was there. It was really interesting, but it happens to just be there. Fell into advertising, and many years went on like that. Until one day, I woke up with a job I didn't like that much, a boyfriend I didn't like that much, a whole bunch of things I didn't like that much, and I decided, you know, instead of falling into things, I'm actually going to intentionally do things and make decisions that actually mean something to me. So I broke up with the boyfriend, I got rid of the job, and I tried to really think about what I wanted to do. And I looked into a friend of mine who had been working at RGA, and she offered me the opportunity to go there as a strategist. I started not dating people that just wanted to date me. Um, met someone who ended up being my husband. Made all these decisions and decided that every single thing I was going to do from that point on was going to be intentional and was going to be done by choice. And here I am, probably at 44, the happiest I've ever been in my life. My name is Andrea Ring. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer of Big Spaceship. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's Editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. This one's a tough one. You, you, went, you went big on this, no pun intended, you being a big spaceship. Uh, <laughs> what was your biggest loss and how did you deal with it? So this past year, I, I lost my father. And it's a very literal loss, but it was, it was really big. He was someone that I didn't have an enormous relationship with while I was young, but he developed Parkinson's later in his life. And I decided when he had Parkinson's that I was going to commit to get to know him. And I spent the last eight years, almost every single Sunday, visiting him on my own, taking him out for breakfast, and forcing myself to get to know him. And we got closer and closer, and then I became pregnant, and he got to know my son. And at the end, my son became truly one of the only creatures that could bring my dad into a state of consciousness out of his Parkinson's. So he passed a year ago, and it was so emotional for me, but it was also very bittersweet because I had absolutely no regrets and I was able to say goodbye to him knowing in my heart that I did everything I could to actually get to know him and to get close to this person that was so amazing. And I think that that's a decision that I'm going to try to make with a lot of future relationships in my family and in my life. And you have to recognize when people are important to you, you need to put in the time and the energy to make yourself available for them. That's amazing. And that's really great thinking too, because I think that we get so caught up in what we're doing with life, work and family and responsibilities. We forget to take that moment to stop and, and determine what's most meaningful to us. So first of all, kudos on that. I mean, what else have you learned from that experience? Well, it was, it was quite interesting. When I was going through that closening with my father, I was also going through some very, very intense politics at a former job. And what happened was the intensity of the experience with my father lowered my threshold to take shit at work. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it really was able to give me some context to my 
my work relationships and to recognize that if I could push relationships outside of work, I shouldn't settle for less inside of work as well. So I think the context of that loss and that relationship really lit the fire under my butt to, to move on. And I don't think that would have happened to me as easily if I didn't have the context to what, what a healthy, close relationship felt like. Why do we hold ourselves back? That's a good question. I, I like that you picked this one. I think for a long time, I really enjoyed being a B-plus student that didn't have to work at all. And it made me feel really good to say, ah, if I worked harder, I would have been an A student. And holding myself back allowed myself to hide from the reality that maybe I wasn't good enough to be an A student. And I think that a lot of times we purposefully hold ourselves back just a little because we're afraid that we're going to reveal something about ourselves that might not be as great as we think. Mm. And very recently, I've just decided to just go for the A. Why not just go for the A and see what happens? And if you don't get an A, it's fine. But if you do, you're gonna feel great. And an A feels so much better than a B plus. <laughs> but the other well, there, thing- There is something to the idea of you get an A for effort. Uh -huh. There is something actually to that cliche. Well, the other thing is, the difference between a B plus and an A is a lot of work. And that's, that's the other thing. I've gotten way less afraid of working hard. And I think being in agencies where you're surrounded by people that make you a little nervous and are a little bit better than you, you are inspired to work hard. And it's a really fun thing to finally being in an agency where of course you care about what your clients think and what your clients want, but sometimes you're almost making work just to impress the people you're working with. And when you're in an environment like that, that's, that's priceless. What's the biggest praise you've ever received and why was it so important? And also, what did you learn from it? I think the biggest praise didn't come from work, but it actually came from my husband. And I think the biggest praise is when he looked at me and actually said, you're a really great mom. And, and the reason why that really mattered to me is because we, being a woman and working really hard and making good money and running the household, and we always lump everything together. And, and you never really mm. separate someone out as being good at one thing or better at something else. And for him in this, this really close relationship we have of bringing this kid up together, of both working really hard, for him to step back and be able to say, not we're great parents, but to look at me and say, you know, you're a really great mom. It's kind of hard to explain why, but that really mattered to me. It really mattered and felt good to actually be singled out. And for him to say, yeah, you're doing all these things, you know, you're a great, you're a great CSO, you're a great friend, but, but for him to actually step back and say, you're a really great mom, it was such a simple, simple pleasure and gave me such simple confidence that, that I don't think anyone else could have given me. Let's go to the must list. Let's start with a must do. Must do, I think everyone must force themselves to run one more mile than they actually think they can run right now. I truly believe that running is one of the most potentially cure-all things for almost all of the world's ills. It solves mental illness, <laughs> it solves energy, mm -hmm. it solves creativity, it solves healthfulness, it solves getting rid of your hangover. 
every possible <laughs> thing that you could need, you can get from running. And the power I've seen people get when they realize that they can run one more mile than they had before, even if it's their first mile, is mind-blowing. So I really think every single person should put on a pair of sneakers and get out and just see what's the next mile they can run. What's the best run you've ever taken? Oh man, I, I was just thinking the other day, I think I've done the Prospect Park loop we did the math. I think it's maybe 2,000 times in my time living in Brooklyn. It's really disturbing. Wow. But there was this run I did once that went, it was in, I had the great, great fortune of being in, um, in uh, Biarritz, France, and, and there was this run along the ocean past all the castles, and, and that, that blew my mind. What is a must experience? A must experience for a woman. So this is, this is kind of a weird answer, but a must experience, and I'm gonna make it explicitly for a woman over her 30s, <laughs> is to actively decide early on if you wanna be a mother or not. And why I'm saying that is because the most complicated time of life for me and for many, many of my friends, especially high level working friends, is the gray space of being on the fence over whether or not you want a child. And of course, you don't always say, oh, I want a child, and then you get a child. There can be tons and tons of problems there. But deciding not to have a child is an amazing decision. Deciding that you want a child is also an amazing decision. I feel that people get really blocked, both in career and in life, when they are on the fence about it. And that's a, a, a piece of advice that I would, I would truly tell any woman that I know they need to make the decision. If they're married, if they're single, in any regard, it's your power to make that decision and it's your power to live accordingly. Can I thank you for this answer, please, by the way? <laughs> because, all right, so yeah, there's that whole chestnut of when are you going to have kids? Are you going to have kids? It's, you know what? It's nobody's business but a woman's business or a woman and their partner's business, no matter the relationship. And you know what? Having kids is great. Not having kids is equally as great, but it's, it's not for everybody. And everybody needs to make that decision. And no one should shame anybody and there's, for making the decision 100%. one way or the other. And so, there's so much clarity. So, if you decide that you don't want to have children, I, I ran into an old friend of mine who decided she didn't want to have children. And she is running an organization that she's traveling all over the world, doing these amazing experiences. And she feels so confident doing that. And I looked at her and I said, thank you so much for doing this. Because if I wasn't tethered here with a four-year-old kid, that's what I'd be doing. And it makes me so happy that you're not hemming and hawing in some apartment somewhere, but you're doing what any of us would do. Like we all have to live vicariously for each other. <laughs> you know, and we all, we all right. are adding to this large organism of people trying to live fulfilling and kind lives. Yep. Fulfillment comes in many different sizes, shapes, colors, and packages. Uh, what is a must read? This is so simple, but I think there's two things I'm going to say. Just the New York Times. Say what you will about it. It's just... Just no, you don't have to convince me. I, no, it's just a die. It's a diehard. Just check in, read it, know it, love it. <laughs> I just yeah. think I think every day being informed at your own at your own speed is just a. It's it's really valuable and important. Agreed. Uh, what is a must learn? 
I had a very big conversation with some colleagues and, and my siblings about this. I learned, I've been feeling very paralyzed by the enormity of the world's problems. And I also feel paralyzed by the enormity of the, the number of things I have to do every day just for my family and myself. And so I feel stuck and I've been feeling stuck. There's so much that needs to get done and there's, I have so little time. And then it dawned on me, and I'm excited to say this on record because it'll hold me to it, but I shouldn't be looking to, where's the school I can volunteer 10 hours a week and help kids read, or can I become a scientist? But I should look very close and realize, wow, I have four open roles to fill in my strategy group over the next six months. I need to hire some people that may not have had the economic opportunity to find this job on their own. I need to work hard and make sure that I bring in people who this position could really change their lives and that they could really change our lives. And it is the kind of thing that I realized, and it was like a light going off in my head, I don't have to look very far, you know, donate tons and tons of time. What I need to do is actually look at the things I can control directly today. And those things are hard. It's not easy to do this, but if I don't start by doing that, it's just going to be a whole bunch of bullshit and I'm not going to get anything good done at all. What's a question you've never been asked before that you'd love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? Did I add that one? <laughs> uh, it was, no. How would you like to come on an all expenses paid trip with all of your friends to <laughs> Yeah, no, I was going to go deep. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing. No, go deep. Go go deep. I we're 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 pretty deep here. I would like I would like to know if I could go on that trip. There's a whole bunch of stuff that's kind of interesting. I think consistently at work right now as a chief strategy officer, I'm not asked enough stuff at all. I feel interesting. I feel that being at the top of an organization, I I wish people were asking way more of me. I don't get that much, you know, why'd you do that? What, what are you thinking? Where do you want to go? And I think that it's a very interesting thing that when you are the leadership and are the management, we need to look to our left and right and take care of each other and really push each other. So quite frankly, I don't think I've been asked very hard questions recently at all. That's something that's just dawning on me right now. And I think I would be up for the challenge. I mean, you're asking me some of the hardest questions. <laughs> but here at work, I would really like people to remember that we all need to be pushed and challenged regardless of what level we're at. So what is one? Like what, just in your work life, what's, what's one that you think would be a good one for someone to ask? I mean, th there's really, really, really technical things like why don't you consistently go to the discipline staff meeting every week? <laughs> you know, like right. literal things to call myself on that I realize and I do, I, cause I've recently realized that I am a super introvert and I could get very caught up in just doing my thing. And I forget how much better it is when I show up and engage with people, especially the, the, the less experienced people at the organization it makes so much more sense and it does so much good when I sit down and engage. And I think if someone were to simply say to me, why aren't you showing up to that more? I wouldn't have a good answer. I would say it's more comfortable at my desk working on cracking some really big problem. I'd say this, I'd say, oh, other people are doing that. 
but it would actually force me to realize I don't have a good answer for that. So I think there's very little things all over that I consistently have to look at myself and say, why am I avoiding that particular thing? Or why is that pattern emerging? And try to solve for that and, and, and not do it anymore. Every guest on the show gets a chance to talk about whatever they'd like for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours. It's quite interesting because there are so many issues facing us. But I was thinking the other day, if I were ever going to run for office, I would want to run on one and, and one issue only, which is climate change. And I have been woefully confused as to why people, especially in the United States, in our political sphere don't recognize the importance of making this the biggest and most important issue. Yes, of course, closely following that would be healthcare, education, income inequality, even veterans. I mean, the list goes on of who needs to be taken care of. But I believe we have entered an existential phase where it feels like we are witnessing something happening to us that is out of a science fiction novel. And I think that it is on all of our shoulders, every single one of us, to demand that the people in power, and us included, start truly noticing, understanding, and doing something about climate change. I feel a little bit like in Game of Thrones where the battle had to be decided, do we face the armies and that we know are in front of us and are alive, or do we do something about this coming dead army that we can't prove exists, but we know is going to be even way more fatal for us? So that's my nerdiest example. But I think we're facing something right now that if we all don't band together and acknowledge how important this is, our children are not going to have a place to live. And they're certainly not going to have children of their own. So I think it's about time that we realize that this is as big a threat of as North Korea, this is as big a threat as, as poverty, as anything on the planet. Um, this is the one thing that is going to take our generation to fight. We wrap up every show with one last piece of advice or wisdom. So what would be your final word? My final piece of advice is every single Friday night, wherever you are, whatever you do, get yourself two martinis and some pizza. Doesn't matter where you are, make that happen. (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. Oh, man. Short, succinct, to the point, and probably very apropos for this particular industry, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. <laughs> it's what's made it work for me. Running, pizza, and martinis. That's what's made so my career l- work. Yeah, so you get a little of the, you know, a little of the good side, a little of the uh, naughty side. You got right? it. You got it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Love your responses to all these questions. Very insightful, very thoughtful, and best wishes for continued success. And thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> 